Hello, everybody. Bob Oxley here. It's time for tips, topics, issues, and positions. And today's topic, we're going to be uh, continuing on to take a look at the U.S. government policy. And it's my pleasure to welcome back Professor Joe Green and Dr. Chip McLeod, who is the chair of the History and Political Science Department at Dixie State University. Welcome back, gentlemen. We're back. We're back. It's been 30 days, and uh, we're kind of like analyzing what's going on with the Trump administration as well as with Congress and uh, talk about a number of issues. And uh, where we left off, we were wondering about this thing called the wall between Mexico and the United States. And we saw a government shutdown, which we discussed previously, uh, then we are looking at uh, what President Trump was going to do, and then we had a vote again recently in Congress, both the House of Representatives and uh, the uh, U.S. Senate sent a bill to the president for signature about we're not going to do the wall. So can you pick up from there and just uh, give me your opinions, comments, anything to do with the wall? <laughs> uh, in the legislation that ended the shutdown, uh, the Congress funded, what was it, $3 billion for the wall. Uh, the president didn't think that was enough, and so he uh, said he was going to declare an emergency and redirect funds that Congress either hadn't allocated or that he was permitted by law to reallocate to building the wall and getting the amount that he could use, he thought maybe up to eight billion instead of the three that he was going to do. Uh, but to do that, he had to declare an emergency. And Congress has the, in the way they wrote that law, they can tell the president, no, that's not an emergency. You can't spend that money if they pass a law uh, saying that. Congress, the House easily passed the law because it's run by the Democrats. Uh, the Senate turned out to easily pass the law, too, because 12 Republicans, even though they mm. have a majority, 12 Republicans said, no, you can't do this. And uh, But the president can veto it, so he's going to do his emergency. Got it. So now we are at the point whereby did the president veto this then? Yes. Okay, he's vetoed it, so where does it go from here? What <laughs> happens? Anybody? He builds the wall. He, He's yeah. going to build the wall? Yes. So, the, something that maybe looks like a wall or that somebody, he can convince his uh, constituents, his supporters, is a wall. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, where's the funds coming from, from the wall? If Congress, uh, they have the power of the purse, so uh, where's the money coming from for well, this $8, million, $8 billion? Some money that Congress allocates doesn't have an exact line item. It's at the discretion of the secretary of whichever department or the commission, uh, whatever government agency that is looking at. And using that discretion, the president is the ultimate manager of the federal government. Uh, it looked like he could get, I think it was uh, two or three billion without a hassle, just by redirecting those discretionary Most funds. of it was, was coming from the, uh, let's call it, uh, undesignated slash soft money from the Department of Defense. Whoops. That yeah. that's uh, yeah. That that can be used for that sort of thing and has been in the past. And if nobody says no, then he can he can have the money for a project like this. Wow. But that money generally is understood by the congressman. It's going to my district. 
<laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and and uh, some I thought the defense stuff. May correct. I may be wrong. I thought the the stuff from defense uh, that Trump can't arbitrarily just take it, and so they can challenge that in court, and that's what the issue was about. Uh, he could have gotten almost as much as he wanted through discretionary stuff without declaring an emergency. But by declaring an emergency, he's made it a campaign issue, which is what he wants. Okay. That's, that's at least my understanding of the, uh, of the reasoning behind doing what he did. Well, and he's looking for who supports it and who doesn't, which is purely political. Um, and there, there could be some, I don't recall that anybody's written the check for the money he needs yet. Uh, we'll, it's not a, a done deal. They haven't, uh, if you will, pulled the trigger on it, but he's, he seems to be on, on the, uh, seems to be in control right now. What about <clears throat> there? You said there was 12 Republicans, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, voted, uh, against the emergency declaration voted against the, the president. Yeah, both Utah senators voted against it. Wow. Okay. So, uh, is can we override vetoes? Does he see that, or is that is there enough in there to override a veto if the president? You'd have to count heads. I mean, you you need two thirds from both uh, parts of the the federal legislature, and I I I don't know if they have that. I can't remember how many Republicans in the House voted mm. for the bill. That is to tell the president he can't do it there yeah. were there were it, some it, but there aren't right. there aren't nearly enough in the house to override the, the senate you mean well the house oh. i don't think they could override it in the house and i don't think there's enough in this if they got 12 but that's not enough to get to no i'll tell when you when you do the uh the veto the two-thirds veto math i don't it doesn't appear that that they're going to be able to override his veto wow they're so gonna, he's a say he's like you said he's safe he yeah. feels, and he's also taking names down who voted against him from the yeah. Republican Party. Very, very Trumpian. Now, <laughs> Speaker Pelosi has noted the law allows the Congress in this situation to bring the bill up again every six months if they want. So we're going to go through this vote again, at least in the House, uh, because the Democrats like this is an issue too for their base, the the people who are uh, who don't like Mr. Trump and will vote for the Democrats. So. And, we, and we probably don't need to remind your, your listeners that this, this was one of the top two things Trump promised as he campaigned. Absolutely. He's going to wreck, wreck Obamacare and build that wall. That's it. Those are the two. <laughs> you see that? Go back historically. Take a look at all those clips. It's, those two issues were brought up over and over and over again. Now, so the, go ahead. The stuff that the, uh, the emergency declaration, the money that Trump gets from that, probably he won't get to spend it because it's probably going to be stopped by the courts. The, 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 uh, the uh, lawsuits have been filed hmm. and the judges are doing whatever the judges do, but there'll be a ruling and he won't be able to spend it until they defend it in court. So that's why the president said uh, when it came out, uh, I've talked to all, all the constitutional lawyers and they say that it's legal. He didn't talk to all the constitutional lawyers. There's a whole bunch who don't think it's legal, but uh, once <laughs> well, he talked to, uh, well, and, and we could be at the uh, the election easily before anything has transpired uh, of of any concrete nature, and uh, 
it'll be interesting to see what kind of um, election issue it becomes then. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about this quasi wall that we're talking about now. Uh, is it? I mean, we've already talked it at length in the previous two times you've been on here in the studio talking about this. And as far as resolving any type of an immigration problem, it doesn't seem to be doing that. But there's a lot of other issues now that's being addressed as far as the Supreme Court this last week and a vote of five to four said that if a immigrant crossed in uh, requested asylum and they had a uh, criminal record, that they could be incarcerated indefinitely. Um, is that, uh, I mean, that fits right along with, uh, the headlines were the day after the vote was taken by the Supreme Court that it was a Trump victory. Um, is that, do you have any comments on, on that? At Maybe all? on paper, but I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to understand how you could um, implement that in any functional way. I mean, people like that who support Trump, but uh, Supreme Court rulings and and then making them into, uh, again, functional reality down here on the ground. Uh, how many cases can we pick and talk about where that's been very difficult? Got it. Got it. Some other things that have come up, I'm just throwing things out at, at you as you, I usually do <laughs> to you two gentlemen. Uh, here's one. Uh, the president keeps attacking via Twitter, uh, Senator John McCain. How do you, how do you feel about that? And, uh, you always give me your honest opinion. So that's what I'm after. Well, um, this is old sort of news commentary, quippage, if you will, for you two gentlemen. But again, um, basically parroting what I heard one, uh, fairly well-known thinker, commentator, and, and whatnot mentioned yesterday, George Will. I thought it was funny. He's, he's a pretty deep thinker. And among other things, I don't know where this thread's going to take us, but he, he described uh, Donald Trump some someone who was, uh, his words, not mine, pathologically insecure. Uh, and where do you want to start? It, it was very, this could be serious or not so serious on many different levels, but day one, with my inaugural turnouts bigger than yours, and <laughs> here, here we go. He, he. Uh, if you're asking for something like a, a quasi candid opinion, I'm, I'm not real sure why uh, he doesn't understand that. In in terms of of uh, just human decency, it's kind of kind of distasteful. Yeah. Uh, he gave a it was in a speech a couple of days ago a military oriented group had a, had a military contract and he he started in talking thanking them for all the work they do and everything else and he went right into the anti McCain rhetoric yeah and it was a lot of military people sitting in the audience and and veterans sitting in the audience and there was dead silence and this is his base some of his base people there were just they had it on, on film that they were just looking at each other and they felt very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, he really stepped on his message that day. He was celebrating the economy. It's growing. Yes. Last year it grew at 3%. Hadn't grown for 3% for 10 years. And uh, he has a message. And if he's going to win re-election, that's going to be the, the key to his message is 
I said I would get the economy going and the economy's going. But, but that wasn't the news cycle. The news cycle was the John McCain stuff. Yeah. Now, he's really angry about the investigation that's been going on uh, that uh, Mr. Mueller is running. And maybe what he, in the back of his mind, the thing that's going on here is it was revealed. The reason all this started is it was revealed that the uh, Russian dossier that the uh, Mrs. Clinton and the Democratic National Committee paid for and got uh, uh, found ways through uh, some people that they were associated with to get it to the FBI and the Justice Department and the Justice Department to act on it, to open an investigation. It turns out that dossier was distributed. One of the people distributing it all over town, all over Washington, was John McCain's chief of staff. And so Mr. Trump's view, I, I think, was John McCain stabbed me in the back. He came in and asked for my endorsement when he was running, and then he stabs me in the back by passing around this uh, dossier. He didn't I think I heard him interviewed say he didn't tell me about it. He just gave it to the press yeah. sort, of, sort of thing. So he's really angry. Yeah, he, he's still angry at him uh, as well over his no vote on Obamacare. Yes. Oh, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, um, I remember he, he recently in the last 24 hours brought that, that up again. That was that was the vote that determined whether they repealed it or whether they didn't. Yeah. One yeah, one vote. and. But, yeah, he uh, – um, again – there, there are policies. There's what he does on on the job that is directly tied to his being president. And then there's the the image he projects as the the chief executive of the United States. And um, frankly, when he start, I hope he realizes that that McCain didn't fly his plane into. He was shot down. <laughs> he didn't do that on purpose, and he was captured. And and a. Uh, uh, to the best of my understanding, uh, is, is of military heroism. The man's a real life uh, military hero and, yep. you know, did five and a half years in a PLW camp and, and on and on. And, and was, uh, going to be released because his dad was an admiral and exactly. refused, stayed yeah. three or four extra to years. stay with his men. He stayed in, uh, yeah. Hanoi Hilton and to be with his men. Really, it's just hard to tell, um. Because, again, I don't think anybody with us today is a, a mental health professional, but everybody everybody wants to weigh in on that aspect of Trump's personality. But he just can't, for some reason, seem to stop doing that. Um, and anybody and everybody who uh, comes up and seems to loom somehow larger in terms of a personage or accomplishments or, or what have you, he... he his approach to leveling the playing field just seems to dismiss them and, and come up with these rants about them. And, uh, I think, um, Joe was exactly right. He really should uh, tout his accomplishments and he'd do well to cut that out, I think. But anyway, wow. He, so far he is not, he and his people have not contacted Dr. McLeod or I as their political advisors. So. Well, I don't think he's listening to too many people r r right there uh, on, on you know 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So I, I don't think we're in the running as a consultant. No, we're not. I think he's got Utah labeled there after 
uh, uh, Lee and uh, Romney voted against him. He may recently. be he may be taking names. Yeah, I, might be that case. <laughs> I know he's got twelve on that list right yeah. now. So I, I think he's still going to win Utah in twenty sixteen. So well, new version of twelve angry men, women, whatever. Yeah, who knows? Twenty twenty is just around the corner, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I've got something else that's just come up in the last 24 hours because he always keeps us going full of information here. Uh, we ought to, He just notified the Israeli government that uh, they're going to get the property back from the Palestinians. Uh, it's nice that the, uh, the United States, he represents the United States government, can tell them that you're going to get the property back and get rid of the Palestinians, which I understand some of the response coming out of Moscow already was, well, if you can do it, we can do it. Mm. Um, any comment the, on the that? Goal-line Heights, yes, I presume you're the talking goal, about. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, that was territory that Israel conquered in the 1964? 67. 67. 67 the, the Six-Day War. The Six-Day War. Uh, they conquered the West Bank. They conquered Sinai. And uh, Golan Heights is the part they haven't surrendered because it's strategic, strategically— uh, the, Syria, the Syrians who used to control it could look down on uh, their agricultural areas and some of their cities and fire artillery and so on, so strategically. But there's a United Nations resolution mm. that uh, prohibits anybody from annexing uh, territory that they've taken in military action. That the United States has, uh, every president of the United States since that resolution uh, I can't remember how old it is, has, has always used that to criticize people when other nations, when they uh, invade, Russia's been the main one. So that's why Putin can gloat a little bit because he violated the technical terms of the United Nations resolution when he went into uh, uh, the Crimea right. and took it over. Okay. So now, evidently, we don't agree with the United Nations resolution anymore, uh, which was a really, seems to me, in international affairs, to be a really good uh, uh, way to run, run your affairs, a precedent that says, hey, we do, civilized nations don't do this, uh, and we can criticize Russia or we could criticize somebody else if they go into another country, and uh, now we can't. Well, I, mean, I, I think it's worth mentioning as well that uh, so like our president, he's very much trading on what he regards as his uh, very good personal relationship with Benjamin Netanyahu. Yes. Uh, he, he, uh, that, that's part of it. I don't uh, know whether he has thought much about what this is going to mean, but uh, I, I think he's pretty much tapped into good personal relations with the man at the top, which I, I think we all understand is pretty important to him and, and uh, all of his dealings at home and internationally. Well, uh, in response, uh, the leader of Israel came out and had a picture of him and Trump standing by each other, and he thanked Pompeo. the president. Pompeo. Pompeo. Yeah. Uh, had a picture together. I think it was with Trump. With Trump and... Uh, they were... Uh, Papeo was in Israel when this happened. Right. But I'm just saying there's a picture, actually a physical picture he's put out on oh, the air okay. with the, the president of the United States. Thank you, Mr. President, for making this decision uh, that's favorable to Israel. 
the question I've got is, and maybe this, uh, I'm thinking about Mueller, but I'm thinking on the other side, on the Israeli side, I think that the, the leader of Israel is currently under an investigation himself in his own country in Israel for and, corruption. And he's in a, <laughs> in a run for, uh, they're in an election. The election's in a couple of weeks. Got it. And Netanyahu has been, uh, 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 you know, charged with corruption, literally charged. They're, you know, he's going to evidently have to have a trial. I don't know how that works if he's the leader in Israel, but it's a close election as a result. Normally, Netanyahu would be way ahead because uh, the secure, he's strong on security, and that's what the Israelis are worried about right now. But to have Trump come and, and uh, give his uh, permission— <laughs> for to take over the, the Golan Heights is, I think, just an out-and-out out attempt to change the politics, the election. Influence the election. Yeah, sure, sure. So we don't like other people influencing our election, but it's okay it, if we it's do. It's okay if we do that. No, and again, that, that uh, just once again, the, the underpinning of what, what Trump um, seems to think is, is so important that, that allows him to lead, govern, do whatever he wants to do or thinks is best, his um, personal relationships with, with these people and personal loyalty, unlike anything we've seen quite in quite some time in a president. Yeah. And if we just, we switch gears, we go from Israel down to Venezuela. <laughs> There's a- another, another, uh, where the, the president blatantly has come out and said, uh, the current president or I don't recognize him as the current president, even though he was elected by the people, and now he's revolved from a socialist into a dictator. But this new young fellow, we're going to back him. Uh, the the Venezuelan constitution has a provision that says if uh, somehow if there are problems in an election, so you're not sure if the, who the president is, that the presidency devolves to the leader of the assembly, the leader of the parliament. And... Uh, probably working through Brecht channels, the Trump administration got virtually every one of the South American countries to declare that the last election, the one Maduro won, which was, it, it was not a legitimate election. Uh, parties were suppressed. Uh, you know, it happens all over the world, but it clearly wasn't. But they all now are backing uh, this leader of the, the, uh, of the parliament, this young guy. What's his name? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Me too. Not coming to me. <laughs> uh, starts with a G. Anyway, uh, and then he got the Europeans, we think. Uh, maybe they did it on their own. So virtually the, the, uh, all of the free world, uh, South America, Europe, Japan, you know, have, have said, no, this is the real leader. And that uh, allowed us to also claim that he's the real leader and – start slapping sanctions in order to get rid of the Maduro government. Sort of a free world acclamation that they need to do something different in their country. Right. And what they have done, Venezuelans are, are, uh, uh, in a hopeless situation, uh, not enough food, not enough medical supplies. Those that have crossed the line, we've, we, the U S have sent down aid and it's sitting on the border between Colombia and Venezuela being blocked. Yeah, Brazil has a bunch uh, on its border. Colombia does. Sad situation again. It who- could destabilize Colombia. The reason we're worried 
is because we don't want that area to stabilize because uh, they grow a lot of drugs there. And without relatively strong governments, it's harder to control the drugs. So it's uh, another An- messy anarchy situation. Is, anarchy is not an option, I think, is what the State Department's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, listen, I, what we're going to do now is going to take a brief break, and we're going to come right back, and we've got some other other uh, issues we're going to take a look at as far as the Trump administration and as far as Congress is concerned. So uh, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, stay tuned, though. Come on back and hang in there, and uh, you're going to have more of this wonderful uh, conversation with uh, Professor uh, Joe Green and uh, uh, Dr. Chip McLeod. So take it easy. I'll see you in just a couple minutes. Welcome back, everybody. This is Tips, Topics, Issues, and Positions. And we're going to continue on with our conversation. We have uh, Professor Joe Green here and Dr. Chip McLeod from Dixie State University. And we're talking about, uh, continuing to talk about the Trump administration, some of the policies that uh, have transpired. And uh, what I'd like to do now is switch gears a little bit. Uh, we've, we've talked about the world somewhat. I'd like to talk about China and the terrorists. Where are we at with that? We saw a big threat, terrorists with China, and then negotiations were opening up and things. Then he gave them an extension to the implementation of the terrorists. So any feedback from you on that? Any any information at all? Anybody? Nobody knows uh, what's (laughs) going on in the negotiations. Uh, There are kind of signs that they're getting to a point where maybe there's some sort of a deal uh, that has been worked out. Um, there was a big kind of international, semi-international incident uh, because Trump walked away from the uh, talks with North Korea that uh, Xi Jinping, the president of China, was afraid that if he went to Mar-a-Lago, which he's scheduled to do soon, uh, and they were supposed to sign a deal, that Trump might walk away and embarrass him. Uh, I don't know how that played out. I think the guy's going to Mar-a-Lago, but they're not planning on signing a deal yet. But they're still working it working it out. There's got to be, uh, if, if what we're hearing is true, there's got to be... Uh, Mr. Trump wants a reduction in the trade deficit, and he also wants uh, something done about the stealing of intellectual property. Uh, The irony is when the United States economy does well, we buy lots of stuff, and even with the tariffs, the trade deficit with China just went up. Uh, But as you and I have talked before, I don't think the trade deficit is an issue worth considering. So... uh, uh, it, 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 is, it is politically because people think um, it means something. They, they think it means uh, uh, our economy is losing to a competitor because unless you uh, – it, it really is for folks out there 
who've been reading their history textbooks lately or whatever. It's, it's an old mercantilist view where we got to sell people more stuff than we buy from them in order to maintain a healthy political entity and economy. And the modern economy is much more uh, complex than that. That That's, that's something from... Uh, well, just in terms of logic, that cannot happen. Right, right, right. I mean, everybody can't sell more to the other country. Right. That's <laughs> and, and as Joe helps us understand um, repeatedly and consistently, there, there's, a, there's a, a, a lot of good sound economic logic uh, to the notion, if people will listen, that so we buy more stuff from China than they sell us. We, last time I checked... We pay them with American dollars, and there are only two places to spend those. One's Belize, if you want to go there, and the other's United States of America. So that's a, that's a very important connection here. Yeah. The trade deficit is the goods, just the goods we buy from China compared to the goods they buy from us. It doesn't include services, and it especially doesn't include all the money that foreigners want to invest in stocks and bonds and real estate and other assets in the United States, because every dime that leaves comes back to buy that stuff. Yep. And, and the Chinese know a lot about that. They've been actively involved with doing if, that. If I'm years. a rich guy in China, given the, the way that their government's going now, I want to get my money out someplace safe. And so I want to buy assets in the United States. So if, if when, when their government and they're going to starts, uh, confiscating property and, and assets that I've got someplace to go. Yep, absolutely. And they, like I say, they've been doing that for years. I think we, we as Americans, that realization came to existence after, at the uh, 2008 recession when it hit. We didn't realize how intertwined our world is with each other from a product standpoint, as well as investment because of the Bank of America opened up and told us what a large percentage of investments were made from the People's Republic of China. Gee, Bob, I thought you were going to go into why Deutsche Bank keeps lending Donald Trump money. Well, I'm, I, I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean, mean to derail the show. No, I'm just trying to lead right into that. That sounds. You know what? I saw, I, I'm going to bring that up, but I, we can do that right now because we're talking about the economic thing. Yeah, that $400 million you're talking about? No, but, no. no. They, they uh, throughout uh, years gone by before it was president, he was into them – uh, for um, millions and millions and per, perhaps billions of dollars. And um, when you start reading his, um, let's call it true financial biography, he <laughs> doesn't pay his debts too faithfully. Um, that's a matter of public record. And uh, all I was going to suggest, at least for uh, conversation, is that these are, are people who uh, see the opportunity for some political influence. And when why else would you keep lending money here in the Western world or anywhere to somebody who's a bad risk, basically? Uh, and again, people are talking about that, and I don't know how to get to the root of that matter because, once again, it takes me immediately to the the place that this hasn't come up lately, but it's coming up now. Um, Mr. Trump still doesn't want to reveal that tax return. And uh, that's 
to my way of thinking, there's got to be a reason and without, you know, anything beyond speculation to turn it into some corner, some sort of conspiratorial uh, inquiry and unless there's something damaging in that he is, is at the, the end of a fairly long list of people since Richard Nixon who have all revealed their tax returns. So again, the question's back. Why won't he tell us about that? But, but yeah, a lot, lot of speculation as to uh, what, what kind of end can we get with the United States of America if we keep lending this presidential hopeful money. Um, it sounds like international business as usual. Other than that, I don't know who knows. I certainly yeah. don't, but I'm shocked, Chip. <laughs> I'm shocked that you would imply that uh, aspects of our government are corrupted by special interests. I'm just <laughs> Professor Green. You're shocking me right now. <laughs> you know this. Who'd have thunk it? I who'd have thunk it is right. I mean, well, um, <laughs> how about let's let's go back over to uh, our our friends in uh, North Korea. Well put, Bob. Okay. Um, well, I'm just. <laughs> working with the president here on this yes yeah i know he loves me and i, I love him quote it's a little unquote. stronger than friends i think <clears throat> well yeah use the big l word so mm -hmm. anyway uh, my understanding is i need your comments on this is that um you know they had a they thought they were going to have something together there when the last time they got together was it was it in uh, north vietnam or not i can't say vietnam excuse hanoi. me hanoi hanoi <laughs> And um, it, it, it's still in North, Northern know, Vietnam. Thank you. I needed help on that. It's <laughs> Northern my, Vietnam. My history is showing here. So anyway, <laughs> um, and things broke off. Nothing got accomplished. And they went back to their respective countries. That, and uh, now all of a sudden we're seeing all of those quote unquote denuclearization programs are on the shelf and things are being reactivated, rebuilt, uh, threats of possible ballistic missile testing being resumed. Um, I thought uh, the president indicated uh, things were going well, going great. What's your feeling on all this? Is this, do, you, do we look at it from a standpoint that he did it, the president Trump did us a favor when it was really a testy situation and it could have gone sour and he intervened and got things calmed down? Or do we look at it like we're getting a lot of information from the president that's not very reliable and that uh, we're back to square one as far as uh, ballistic missiles and with nuclear warheads and things of that sort from North Korea. Where do we go with this? What's happening here? What do you think? Well, it's almost kind of a no brainer. Uh, of course, few things are more complicated than international diplomacy mm. and what people say and what people do and what they posture about are very often um, in different categories and there's some rational connection. But uh, what I think the president wanted everyone to take from this when he, um, and it, the way it's being described and still being described, got up and walked away is that uh, the notion was that the North uh, Koreans were not complying. So un until you do what you agreed to do, we're going to stop talking. Some people kind of liked that, and other people, uh, I think, realized that it, it's not that simple. You, you, negotiation is, uh, is truly an art and a craft, and I, I, I don't know 
if he served us that well. But for people who like him because they think he's tough, I, I think they, uh, I think they they gave him an affirmative nod about that. But we, it's still a huge problem. Sure is. Yeah, when he when he came to office, they were shooting missiles across Japan and yes. testing uh, underground every once in a while. And uh, by agreeing to meet with him, they stopped doing that. So the tensions have been ratcheted down. Uh, but the negotiating position of the United States has always been, you destroy your nuclear program before we remove the sanctions. So Kim came to Hanoi and offered to blow up their nuclear reactor, Young Blang, Young Blong, something like that, uh, if we remove most of the sanctions, uh, the really hurtful ones. And Trump said, no, got to do it all. Okay. So what's going on now is Kim decided this is going nowhere. No way I'm giving up my nuclear weapons. And that's what our intelligence agencies say. They testified before Congress, before that meeting, every, every one, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the CIA, uh, National, uh, uh, well, the people who listen to us, listen to everything. Um, uh, Dan Coates, who's, who's spokesman for him, said, North Korea is not giving up its nuclear. Wow. They're just not going to do it because that's what they think is the only thing that saves their regime from uh, from us undermining it, okay? So maybe it was posturing to go to the meeting, see if they could get Trump to do what every other president who's dealt with this has done, which is we'll remove the sanctions and give you money and you promise to get rid of something and then you don't ever do it. Uh, so I don't know what, it, I don't know if it's posturing. I don't know if he's backed away. I don't think Trump and Pompeo know. Okay. At this point, well, in, in the past, uh, one of the most beneficial things for international politics and for people's uh, kind of strange sense of peace of mind at home is that uh, when people stop talking about these things on the surface, they go away, and and that's what we've been able to accomplish in the past. It, precisely as as Joe just said, we we. You do this, we'll do this, and and we'll see how it goes. But uh, again, Trump uh, confronted him with the fact that this is what you agreed to do, and uh, until you do it, we're going to maintain the, the sanctions. And um, beyond that, there's nothing to talk about. Um, so I might as well leave. And uh, but beyond that, no, it's it's monumentally unclear where where that is and. Uh, he, uh, I could only imagine in the deepest recesses of, of my imagination that he'd ever do that yeah. because it, it is true that that's, that's the thinking there. Uh, that's all that stands between, um, that regime and having it run over by, uh, the U S with the help of Japan and South Korea. And, and I think they believe that. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, their, their neighbor to the north, the People's Republic of China, I wonder how that's playing with the negotiations we talked about previously between China and the United States as far as the tariffs. I wonder if that that that, that piece is brought up uh, when they're negotiating and talking, like if 
give and take, uh, China would intervene again and on behalf of uh, what we're desiring as far as they, they would want, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, denuclearization in, in Korea, North Korea would be great for the People's Republic of China. They're kind of nervous about that border because it's unstableness. Does that make sense or am I? I I'm not sure what China wants. They have, uh, they're the main source of energy and, and food for right. North Korea. And they participated in the sanctions when we had right. the aircraft carriers off of North <laughs> Korea. Right. You're right. But evidently, they've backed, the word is they've backed off it a little bit since uh, the, the prevailing wisdom for a long time was China, China liked the idea of, of um, North Korea being kind of like a burr in the United States saddle a little bit. Okay. Uh, they don't like the troops in South Korea. Uh, they don't like us there. They they want the the eastern is the eastern western Pacific to be a Chinese lake, not a United States lake. Right. But uh, you know, if I go beyond that, I'm just speculating. I don't yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, well, that's another uh, another piece of the world. That, no, that that's a that remains a, a huge challenge i mean with the uh the u.s presence there and the uh decided south korea and leaning toward the u.s and and again you, you can't forget japan they they would much prefer less u.s influence in the region we, we all know that and then along with that that whole area japan we're talking about the man-made islands being put together by the people's republic of china also so that with north korea and uh and the nervousness on the part of Japan and the declaration that China said that this is our territory because we built it, it's ours, and they do have military activities on those islands right now. And yeah, they have air bases. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, and those are operational. That is boiling and bubbling, and one day, and I'm going to speculate now, the not-too-distant future, there there's going to be um, at least some tension about that we're we're watching that as carefully as we can, but nobody here is happy about that. No. The Chinese now have two aircraft carriers, um, which suggests that uh, they're pushing their maritime footprint. And uh, if they get uh, if they build that big enough, so they have carrier groups and transport ships, then they you know they could invade Taiwan. We've guaranteed the the uh, sovereignty of Taiwan that could be so China's the main and China wants, nemesis. wants that territory back they want yeah. Taiwan back yeah it's 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 their last province yep that's it and then uh, well they, they need some more territory <laughs> yeah well they've got 1.4 billion people so I've got to go Bob to all my right class. It, uh, Okay, Professor Joe Green, thank you very much for being here. He's leaving for class, and to the benefit of those wonderful students waiting for you in your classroom, I appreciate you taking your time and giving us all this information here today. Have a good class. See you next time. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Let me know if you schedule us again. I, oh, I will. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> so, having, having heard that, the yeah. listeners can call in and request. No, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, Dr. McLeod, I'm going to throw one last little bit at you just to, to wet the whistle for our listeners for the next time sure. you and 
we've got a thing called the upcoming election in 2020, oh. and we've got. I think we've got a. I think as of this morning, I think there's 12 Democratic candidates that are going to be running against uh, President Trump. Well, v- vying for the nomination. At least vying for the nomination. And if, if all 12 ran against well, him, we, we, we'd have to amend the well, Constitution. Yeah, they, That's right. They, they could probably beat him <laughs> together. but I, Just based on, based on those that have announced and are, are tentatively, like uh, we have a couple that are hanging on the fence saying, I'm not quite sure yet, but you know they're going to make that declaration. Is there any, anyone on that Democratic slate uh, that you think has enough power that could overtake uh, the incumbent president well, trump well b- b- bob first of all i am not a bona fide card carrying political junkie uh one of the things that uh we grapple with in this country in terms of our political conversation i don't know if anybody's thought about this recently but with the 24 hour news cycle um every time somebody you know, he wants to get in the, the race, changes his shirt, her shirt, whatever. Um, people want to know about that. What I'm really talking about is, as crucial as anything, is the philosophy developing in the Democratic Party. Um, is, is this, do we want a candidate who is really going to weigh in and take Trump on um, considering the way he's chosen to be president, of course, his policies, programs, the things that they want to change, fix, reform, or do do differently or what have you, or is it just good enough because this is the way people are feeling to make sure we have somebody, anybody, who can beat him in the general election? Yeah. Uh, and... Of the people out there now, I, frankly, you ask, I'll tell you, um, we were talking about this off off air as well. How important is it for the Democrats to put together a ticket that um, demonstrates diversity, whatever that means? What I hear people talking about is that we... One way or another, as 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 Democrats, if if you're with them, we need a woman on the ticket somewhere, uh, in one slot or the other. Mm-hmm. There are people. Kamala Harris, of course, is is getting some decent airplay and attention now. Um, I don't, I don't know if what she's talking about, in terms of programs, policies, and what have you. Uh, is doable in the United States of America. The Republicans will make great political hay of the fact that every time you can even hope to inject the notion of socialism in there, um, they're using it as a scare tactic. Uh, There are some very practical things that candidates are grappling with as well, Uh, and they're taking on the big-ticket items as, as they challenge Trump, whether it's the wall, whether it's immigration policy, whether it's some kind of uh, national system of health care, um, there is, I don't know whether Beto O'Rourke is going to keep going the way he's going. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm one of the people grappling with uh, whether I truly believe, quite seriously, that Joe Biden is maybe getting a little too far up there in years to be yeah. president. I mean, he, he's a 
very bright, energetic, productive, fabulous guy. Um, but the presidency of the United States is a very difficult job. And we're talking about a man who will, for all practical purposes, be looking down the barrel of 80 yes. should he get elected when he's inaugurated. Um, and I don't know what else he's going to have to say about that. But right now, what I'm saying to some extent is that these folks are very enthusiastically participating as the they're going to get the, the primary season going and all that sort of thing. It's, it's going to be very competitive. I'm not looking at anybody right now that I think um, has got what's required at this juncture to best Trump in the presidential election. Um, and it's too soon to tell. I understand. I don't, I don't, I don't hear anybody say anything that, uh, again, it almost sounds trite, but I don't think it is to say that you're going to have to give, uh, American voters something to vote for, not just this notion that we're going to put somebody in there, whatever that means, who can, uh, take him in a general election. What, what is it (laughs) you're going to do that's different? Yeah. From from what the Republicans are doing, and again, they're those hot button issues that people want solutions to, and and that sort of thing. Um, it's fun to some extent to watch them compete. Now, this is um, very. It's going to be a very emotional election, I think. I think but, so too. But um, and 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 people really have their political hackles up, um, but. Uh, these people have to have to forge something. They got to got to give us, give the American voters a package that can compete with what the Republicans. Uh, there are Republicans, and then there's Donald Trump. That that's another show. That's a whole enough for the show. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. And because I don't know what he is. He's not certainly not a classical Republican in, in any sense of our understanding of that political party. But um, I, I I don't know. People are trying to get excited. Um, they want to get excited uh, if you're a, a Democrat, um, and that's good. That's the way our system works. But I don't see anybody who who I would tap today and say clearly, run against Trump. You can you can take him in the election. It's really too soon to tell. I understand. Well, guess what? We're out of time. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us in tips. And Dr. Chip McLeod, who's the chair of the Political Science and History Department here at Dixie State University, and, and Professor Joe Green, who had to leave to go teach a class. Uh, stay tuned for next week. And uh, we'd love to have your feedback on what do you think about the new format. Uh, until then, this is Bob Oxley for tips saying goodbye now.